Do you want to do more to make impact? How we serve others and our world is how we pay our rent for being here. So get ready to learn how you can make a difference by simply choosing to live and lead with a socially conscious mindset. In this episode of Passion for Impact, I'm speaking with Chris Hatch, CEO of Food Banks Canada. You know, my own passion for impact started back in my radio days with our frequent food drives, partnering with the local food bank to help create awareness and to drive donations. Food banks are at the center of communities and are an example of an organization we can support through our business platforms and people resources. In this fun and super inspiring conversation, Chris shares his leadership tips and best practices for leading a team of passionate and on-purpose people. He also shares so much wisdom on how to lead with impact and importantly, take care of yourself at the same time. Ready to be inspired, uplifted, and educated on impact leadership? Here we go. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Be sure to subscribe to receive links to featured companies, people, and offers. To subscribe, visit www.passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast. You know, there is a fundamental need that we all share, connection, safety, clean water, and of course, nourishment, food. Now I'm Italian, so food is a very big part of my world and my identity. I think with most people, it probably is. I'm also a mom and I cannot imagine not having enough nutritious food to feed my children. And while growing up, we certainly had hard times uh, upon reflection, I, I truly have never had a hungry day in my life. I do not know that kind of pain or need. And I cannot imagine the hardship of not having enough to feed my family. For over 17 years, I worked in radio and media. And every year, in one form or another, we partnered with our local food bank to fill the bus, to stuff the box, hampers, you know, canned, good drives, that kind of thing. The food bank is a cornerstone in most communities. You know, kids can't dream on empty stomachs. Food Banks Canada is helping to change that. And their mission is very clear, to create a Canada where no one goes hungry. And if you're listening and you're in another country besides Canada, I know you have similar organizations in yours as well. This episode of Passion for Impact is featuring my own Passion for Impact. And my guest today is Chris Hatch. Chief Executive Officer of Food Banks Canada. I've been looking forward to this conversation for so long. He leads a team dedicated to deepening collaboration across a national network of food bank organizations and maximizing their collective impact to assist the people who turn to food banks. Prior to joining Food Banks Canada in 2018, Chris was executive director of the Mississauga Food Bank for nine years. And during his tenure, he was instrumental in delivering a number of transformational and innovative projects, including moving into a new and expanded warehouse, implementing a sophisticated inventory management system. I don't, I mean, I don't even know how they do it. I've taken tours of the local food bank, even just in our small town, Kelowna, BC, and I'm just in awe. And also, this is very innovative, launching the first aquaponics farm 
at a Canadian food bank to ensure fresh produce and fish could be shared with food bank recipients across the city. Before joining the food bank, Chris had a distinguished career as a human resource management consultant. He worked with a wide array of nonprofit and multinational organizations headquartered throughout North America and Europe. He was also a notable speaker and author on human resource issues and was widely quoted by major business publications. So this man has so much to offer. I'm I'm excited to, you know, quote unquote, pick his brain. Welcome to the Chris to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Tricia. Thanks for having me. Um, again, I'm excited about this conversation because it's so close to my own heart. Uh, today's really an opportunity to get to know you a little bit, to find out about your journey. And also, of course, I know many people listening are leaders of teams or in their own organization. And this is also a show about how to integrate impact into our business and organizations and our leadership as well. So it's going to be kind of multifaceted. But what I, I love to ask our guests this, and anyone who follows the podcast knows I do this every time, five words to describe yourself. And being the overachiever that you are, you, um, you gave me six. <laughs> <laughs> Down to earth and driven for change. That describes you. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you can also say, Trish, I play hard, but I work hard. Nice. So, That's important too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my journey, my journey's been uh, fascinating getting to where I am at Food Base Canada. I mean, you talked about, you know, where I came from. My, I think the most interesting thing is I come from 25 years in the corporate world, you know, the high paced, make a lot of money, uh, you know, you know rich. And then going all the way over to the other side to the charitable nonprofit sector and now finding myself leading the uh, Food Base Canada organization here in Canada. So, I mean, I, I have so much respect for the organization and I can only imagine the things that you've learned and now that, you know, from being a part of it from the inside, what would be the most surprising thing that you've learned since becoming involved with the organization as the leader, as CEO? Uh, I think, well, not, I don't want to say necessarily surprising, but what is rewarding is, you know, we, we support a very large network of food banks across the country. Most people don't realize how many food banks or food programs there are across Canada. I mean, we're supporting directly 650 food banks and food organizations. And they, in turn, support another 2,500 food banks and food organizations. So a little over 3,000 food banks and food organizations. And the, the passion, you talk about igniting passion, the passion, and the dedication of this network across Canada to do the best they can with what they have, whether it's food, funds, volunteers, is just incredible. Day in, day out, uh, Trisha, you know, just what they do in normal times. I mean, let, let alone during these during the pandemic, which has created all sorts of other havoc for us. But I mean, just day in, day out, they do tremendous work. Uh, again, volunteers, paid staff, community leaders, and it's heartwarming. And again, the other thing I'd say, Tricia, is that the support that you see across the country, you know, not just day in, day out, but even during the pandemic, the amount of support, financial support, food support, volunteers that have come out, you know, risen to the occasion across Canada is heartwarming. And I, get a, I sort of have a frontline view of that that I think a lot of people don't see. And it's just heartwarming to see the call to action and and the passion that people have shown towards helping others in Canada, especially now during the pandemic. Yeah, it's definitely such a need, always a need, but I can only imagine how it's um, transformed yeah. in the last little while. Since 2010, as a, a system, Food Banks Canada has sourced and shared almost, uh, this, is, this is staggering, 1.5 billion pounds of food and shared over 100 million in funding to help maximize collective impact and strengthen local capacity while advocating for reducing the need. I'm curious, why is there such a need? I mean, 
has things gotten better or tell us about the knee so people can feel more connected to it. Sure. Let me just, just take it back to my first day at the Mississauga food bank. When I first walked in there back in 2005, I had never been to a food bank. I've never volunteered at a food bank. I've never seen a food bank. I really didn't know what a food bank did. Uh, and I was invited to, to come take a tour of our local city food bank back in 2005. I was still working in the consulting corporate side. And Trisha, I walked in that day thinking I was going to see a small kind of a volunteer run operation. And I was completely overwhelmed by the scope and size of the food bank. And it actually, it literally took my breath away to see how big of a warehouse and how many, how much food and how many people were lined up for food. I had no idea the level of food insecurity right in my own backyard, right here in Mississauga. And, and so that was my first, oh, wow moment before I got involved, involved in food banking. But I mean, you, you ask a good question. We get this question all the time. Why, why is there a need for food banks? And it comes down to, it actually is very simple, actually. Uh, people simply don't have enough money to buy the food they need to feed themselves and their family. So it's really an economic issue. You talk about food insecurity, and we have a great saying, we, we will never feed our way out of food insecurity. Uh, it's not about mm. food. Food is just a temporary solution for today, but it's, it's a very complicated underlying economic issue. People just don't have enough money for a whole host of reasons to have enough food at the, to, to feed themselves and their family. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you were to give um, organizations some advice of how to get involved, because I know people listening to this will be like, well, okay, uh, I have this business platform or this organization. I want to be able to contribute. What, what are the best ways for people to contribute that really do have impact that you actually need? First of all, I would say find your local food bank. So wherever you are, wherever you are in Canada, wherever you're working or living, there is a food bank and a food program in your neighborhood. So, so locate your local food bank. And you can do that uh, by simply going to our website at foodbankscanada.ca. You put in a postal code and locate your local food bank. And I would say connect with your local food bank and find out what they need. Ask them what they need. Do they need volunteers? Do they need funds? Do they need food? Do they need drivers? What do they need? And then match it up. Match up your resources with what they need to help with the local food bank and get your employees and your staff involved. It's a very engaging opportunity. I will. I can assure your listeners, Trisha, even during the pandemic, uh, the food banks are doing everything required by public health in terms of physical distancing, uh, PPEs, hand sanitizing, masks. So we're creating a very safe environment for uh, even for volunteers to come work in. So contact your local food bank, ask them what they need, and then go from there. Okay, great advice. You went, were in the corporate world, like you had said, and now you're in the nonprofit world. Personally, what has that journey been like for you and how have you grown? What What is the impact for you by being involved in both, but now being involved in nonprofit? That's a great question. I mean, I've, I've been privileged. I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I mean, I've lived mm -hmm. in the world. I mean, like, you know, I have been on private jets, having helicopters waiting for me to fly to meetings. I'm privileged, if you will, on the corporate world. And then it's all about, you know, more, making more money, making more money for, for, for the organization, faster, quicker. And then you go over to the charitable side, which I'm in now, and there's heart there. There's a lot of heart there. You know, it's, it's the intrinsic reward. So you don't get rich working in the charitable sector, rich rich financially. But the intrinsic rewards, the rewards you get inside your heart are so overwhelming that I can't tell you how great it surpasses any reward you get extrinsically on the corporate side. And it's interesting, Tricia, when I first moved over from the corporate world into, into food banking, 
a lot of my former corporate friends were jealous. They were very jealous. They couldn't, they were, I think they wish they could, could have joined me and uh, or taken the leap or taken, taken the leap of faith. But um, the intrinsic rewards of working in the charitable sector, helping others in whatever, whatever capacity, whether it's food banks or shelters or uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, is so rewarding intrinsically that I really encourage people, not, not even to make it necessarily a career move like I did, but try it out. I mean, there are transferable skills. I think the other thing people don't realize is the transferable skills from being in business to working in a charity. I mean, you know, charities need, you know, good business acumen. They need HR. They need IT. They need marketing. You know, they, they, they need branding. They need all the things you find in an organization. And charities desperately need these kind of skills. So they're very transferable skills. But I would say the intrinsic rewards of what I do now I see it day in, day out uh, when I meet with people not only supporting the food banking uh, network, but also those on the front line who are actually working with people day in and day out to make their lives better. Wow. It's very, it's very inspiring story. Okay. So this is an area that I just get really um, geeky about, I guess is the terminology, <laughs> is the idea of working with teams and you know, engaging our people, helping them to feel that they have purpose and passion and mission, not only for the organization, but for their own sense of purpose and self. You were in HR before working with, I'm sure consulting on this type of subject with your companies that you worked with. But now, I mean, what, what is it now working with the teams of people who are in a purpose-driven, mission-based organization? And what can you recommend to, those who are not necessarily in the charity world, but with our own businesses to help their teams get a sense of that intrinsic motivation and purpose and, and that journey. And I know this is a kind of a really general question, so I'll let you kind yeah. of extrapolate from it what you think you can, but how can we help our teams be more engaged? Well, well Tricia, let me just add to that. Let me just add to that question, if you will, during this pandemic, we've been working remotely for eight months at Food Banks Canada. So I've got an incredibly dedicated team of 35 people. So we run the entire food banking network system of Canada on 35 people. I think wow. I'm surprised how few people we have. So we are a lean, mean machine, if you will. And I've got 35 incredibly bright, incredibly dedicated uh, staff, each bringing different expertise to the party. But we've been working remotely for eight months now. And that just adds to your question about the challenges for me as a leader, as a CEO, mm -hmm. who keep creating the passion among the teams and uh, some of the, to answer your question, some of the things I focus on, uh, I do storytelling. So, for example, today we had, we had our, uh, our weekly staff meeting with the entire staff, virtually, of course, through Zoom. And I always begin with a story. Today's story was a letter. I read a letter from a donor uh, who was thanking us for all that we do and what an outstanding organization we were and how, how, how impactful we were. And especially during these dark times, we brought bright light to the environment. And so I try to keep sharing uh, week in and week out stories with, with the teams and the staff about the impact they're having. Because I think sometimes, you know, working at home day in and day out, they don't, they don't see as, as closely the impact that they're having. I mean, they're, they're contributing their piece to Food Base Canada and what we're doing. But, so I keep reminding them of, them of our mission, number one. I thank them. So I thank them as a CEO. I thank them for what they do. And number three, I try to keep linking them to the outside environment. So here's what I heard. Here's what we saw. Here's the feedback we got. Here's a thank you we got. Here's a story we got from a client. So I try to keep them grounded in what, in what we're doing, uh, even though they can't see it because we're, we're in, if you will, locked down in our, office, in our offices. 
So that's that's kind of what I do all the time as a CEO, as a leader of the organization. Oh, wow. Can I come work for you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sure you can. There's never too much passion. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and what I love about that is it can be really applied to any organization. I mean, because yeah. every organization serves a purpose and um, provides a service or solves a problem. And there's going to be stories, no matter what it is, janitorial service all the way to some uh, consulting company, right? Right. So there's always stories to be taken from that. Okay. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah. 20 years ago, Think of yourself. What advice would you have given yourself 20 years ago, knowing what you know now? <laughs> I would say don't take yourself too seriously, so seriously mm-hmm. or seriously. Uh, you know, you're a young buck. You're trying to climb up the ladder, working hard. You know, it's all about getting ahead. And uh, as I look back, you know, that's not what life's all about. That's not what's important. So don't take yourself seriously. And I would say the other one, Trisha, which I say all the time, is life is short. Life is short. Life moves fast. Uh Live each day is, a, is something I live by. So that's what I would say, you know, if I could look back 20 years, 20 years ago. Always the power of hindsight, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, to continue on that theme, because I always find it really interesting. It's, it's easy for myself uh, to, to look back 20 years and, you know, even when I just first became a mom and growing my business and whatnot. What about two years ago? What advice would you give yourself two years ago? Ah, so pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> You know, I'll tell you what I, I said to myself when I got hired for this job three years ago. This is a big job. This is a big job I have. And when I got hired by the board three years ago, I made a commitment to myself. I just share this with you, uh, sort of a, an internal thing I said to myself. I said, you know, two things: as long as your health stays good, so your your physical, mental health stays good, and I feel engaged in what I'm doing. I feel like I'm making a difference. How people are doing? I gave myself. A, I'm going to call it like a litmus test. Two years ago, or when I got hired, it was almost three years ago. Saying, you know. Check in. I mean, so I have, I, every year I have a check-in point, you know, am I healthy? Am I still feeling healthy? Yes. And then am I engaged? Do I still feel like I'm making a difference? Uh, you know, is it engaging? Is it enlightening? Is it enriching work? And if the answer to that is yes, I just keep on going. So I would say two years ago, you know, again, check in on yourself, right? Do, do your own checkups on yourself. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. So you got this job as CEO of such an important organization, I know a lot of people listening are often in in states of transition because they want to have more impact or they're taking on new roles. Was it intimidating? And how did you kind of process that? And and I mean, I would can only imagine there was probably moments of like, um, I don't know, maybe there wasn't for you. But for me, I always feel like if there's more at stake in terms of how helping other people and the impact, I just feel so much more pressure about it. Did you experience that? What was it like? Absolutely. And so, I mean, I experienced that when I was running the food bank here in our city in Mississauga, but I feel the weight of the world often on my shoulders. I mean, I feel a huge responsibility in what we do uh, and the team does at Food Banks Canada. I mean, it's this huge responsibility. It's very rewarding. Uh, we get a lot of support, as I've said earlier, but it, but I do feel a heavy responsibility. I mean, uh, there's so many people's lives in Canada dependent on us providing services to them. Uh, which is in the short term, feeding them, feeding them and their families today. And in the long term, another part of our mission, which is just as critical, is we are spending, you know, we spend time and resources and have staff devoted to resolving the issue of hunger. Why are people going to the food bank in the first place? How can we, how can we, you know, uh, prevent hunger in the future, prevent people from having these food banks in the future, which is a very important part of our mission. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, as I said, very exciting. Intrinsically rewarding, but uh, never, never do I spend a day 
going by without feeling the responsibility on my shoulders, uh, you know, and the team as well to deliver what we have to deliver and support the support the network day in and day out across across the country. As a CEO, how do you support yourself? Do you have like a men- groups you're involved with, mentorship groups? Because um, I do find that with the CEOs yeah. that I work with, often it's a kind of an isolating world unless you create that kind of support around you. So how do you do that for yourself? So that's a great question. So first of all, I would say I'd like to have a supportive spouse. So my spouse would be on the board of a food bank. So she understands food banking and she'd be very supportive. She encouraged me to apply for this job. So she's been very encouraging, you know, especially when things get tough. So I have a very supportive spouse, number one. Number two, I have a very great uh, lead senior executive team at Food Bank Canada. I've got, you know, we have five chiefs um, and we, we do look after each other and support each other, uh, which, which, has been, which has been great. And I report to the board of directors. I report to the chair of my board of directors. And we, interesting, especially during this pandemic, uh, Trisha made a pact with each other that we would look after each other. We would check on each other, check in on each other. So I wow. feel I have the support of my board chair and my board, and I can talk to her anytime about anything and, and, and vice versa. And then I think the final piece is um, I also uh, serve, on, uh, I serve on other boards as well, other volunteer boards. And so I have a chance to be with other executives, if you will, to, to bounce ideas and share ideas and so forth. So I have, my support group comes in, comes in different, different ways. Nice. But you create it for yourself. And I think that's key exactly. that people need to remember. You got to. Exactly. Create it for yourself. For sure. Wow. Okay. So with your team members, you, you share stories to help them stay engaged um, into the, you know, probably the mission of the organization. Mm-hmm. How do you support them? Because I'm, I'm very, again, geeky about helping people as the whole person. Whenever, when we have people working with us, we look after them as the whole person. How do you support your team members as a leader for them to be professionally and personally developing with a growth mindset to reach their own uh, potential in all aspects of their life. So I have a couple couple answers to that question. First of all, I have always, even in my corporate world, taken professional development very seriously, and uh, and really make it a requirement of any of a, of a conversation with all staff. You know, how are they developing themselves? How can we support them in their development? And, and there's, there's no different in Food Base Canada. We, we have a dedicated budget to professional development, and we have a robust professional development planning process, uh, follow-through process, assessment process. So, so we, as a value, we let the staff know we take professional development very seriously, number one. Number two, we've got resources and funds to support the professional development. And I think the most important part, Tricia, and this is part of my value system, is that I let people know that they own their professional development. It's not me telling them what they do in terms of what they need to, to develop and what course they should take or what workshop they should attend, that they need to own it. They need to have a high degree of ownership for their own professional development. We're here to guide it, support it. We have the resources, but but so I still a high degree of ownership on the staff for their own professional development. So that's an important value uh, that I've had both at Food Base Canada and, and in, my, in my corporate side as well. I think the second part, and in, in, in more general in terms of professional development, is my leadership style is one of uh, risk taking is okay, making mistakes is okay. So I, I create an environment where you know we're going to make mistakes, so we accept that. But as long as we learn from our mistakes, as long as we acknowledge our mistakes and we learn and grow from them, that's to me that's a positive experience. Uh, but don't 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 take a risk. Don't hide from something. I mean, try new things. Nothing bothers me more than I hear, oh, we can't do that, we, we know, or we've always done it this way, we can't try something new. 
that's like attrition. That's like running your fingernails down a chalkboard. Um, <laughs> so, so I just like, no, no, we need to, we need to try something new or try something different. So, so that's how I support the environment of, of risk-taking, the environment of, of experimenting, the environment of making mistakes, and then more formally, their professional development, uh, however formal, formal that is. Oh, very cool. It allows for a, um, a culture of innovation. I want to ask you about your aquaponics in just a second, but before we get to there, if you don't mind me kind of just narrowing in a little bit. So say you have a, a team member who has tried something and has failed. If you don't mind, can you share that conversation a little bit? Like, how do you manage that conversation? Because I know there's leaders listening right now where they just, they, those are hard conversations to have. What tips or yeah. how do you structure that? Well, I'll give you a great example. First of all, typically the individual will be, uh, you know, crestfallen and, and worried and concerned and, you know, worried about maybe losing their job or getting in trouble or whatever. So first of all, first of all one-on-one coaching that that's not the case at all. And, and I got a great example of Food Mains Canada um, where we had the individual actually, we had some technology that we tried to develop that didn't go according to how we planned it. And I had an individual come and make a presentation to the entire staff. And so again, to, to reinforce the value system, that's okay to try something new, to have it not go right, to learn from it, to make a course correction and to share that, to share that learning. And so, I mean, I think that was, that was as much a learning for the individual as it was for the, all the staff. We did it as all staff meeting where the person presented what didn't go well, what didn't work and why and what we were, do, what we were doing about it. So that's how we, that's how we dealt with it. Nice. Well, that's really it reinforces the value system. Yeah, I like that. Okay, talk to me about this innovative aquaponics. What does that mean? What did you do? Oh, this is such a joy. This is really this is a passion of mine. So when I was when I was at the Mississauga Food Bank, I, I happened to trip across an article. Literally, everyone asked where did I find this, and I, it was either online or a book. Uh, Trisha, I found this thing about aquaponics, and I go, what is what is aquaponics? I never heard of it. Didn't know anything about it. So I read up, I read about aquaponics and then I said, okay, well, I need to find someone who knows about aquaponics. So I researched all around to find out who are the experts on aquaponics. And I found a company in Wisconsin. So I did try Canada first, didn't really find what I wanted in Canada. I found a company in Wisconsin that are worldwide experts, you know, leading research authors, uh, and build, build the systems and I actually went to school. I went to Wisconsin and went to a, went to their class. Which is, which is a very cool thing. And I got really engaged in it and I go, this is very cool. I, we can do this. We can, let's, we can do this at the, at the food bank and do something very creative and very new where we could grow our own vegetables year round. So we weren't going to be based on the winter climate of Canada where you can only get fresh vegetables, you know, during, during the, during the summer and fall that we could control our own destiny with it at the food bank and grow vegetables, fresh vegetables year round. So that, that's where it started from. And then you add the fish component, and then we, you know, we hardly get any fish here in this part of Canada. And what we get, you know, has been brought in from the east or west coast. I go, how cool we can grow fresh fish and grow fresh vegetables and give them to give them to the food banks in Mississauga to feed hungry families and hungry people. And so went to school, learned about it, came back, wrote a grant application. I, and I knew Trish, I knew it, I knew I'd have no trouble getting the grant for it because it's so innovative got funding for it from the Trillium Foundation here in Ontario. And we built an aquaponics farm with fish. We raised tilapia fish and the fish uh, water, if you will, from the fish is nutrients, is fertilizer, if you will, for, for the growing the vegetables. In this case, we grew lettuce, mainly bok choy and romaine lettuce. And it grows very rapidly. 
And so, so what was the purpose of it? So first of all, we had a, a very great crop of organically grown uh, lettuce or in this case, and we had fish, which we had brought, sent off, you know, cleaned and, and filleted and wrapped and then given out to the food bank. But we also use this as an educational uh, for, for the school kids in Mississauga. We had school bus after school bus after school bus coming for kids to learn about sustainable, sustainable growing, you know, environmentally sustainable uh, aquaponics, about fish, about growing. Uh, and then we also combined it in with teaching the children about food insecurity and food banking. And, and the food bank in the city. It was a great draw. I mean, I'm so excited about it because we started getting, uh, the, the media got attention to it and heard about it. We were on CBC National News. Then we were on the local Chinese television. We were on the Portuguese television. We were on French TV. And then wow. got overseas. We were, getting, we were getting calls from Germany, from Africa, from other parts of the world wanting to fly over to visit the aquaponics farm at the Mississauga Food Bank. So it just was a great, great, successful, fun Something I would never thought in my wildest dreams would I become an aquaponics farmer. And it would just be so much fun and, and so successful. And and you know what, Trisha, here's the funniest part. There were so many people coming forward, so many organizations wanting to donate money to the to the aquaponics farm. We had more money than we could spend. Now I know that sounds crazy, but we could not spend the money on fish food, on seeds, on equipment, on staff. We we just couldn't spend it. I mean, that's how successful it's been. Wow. All because of an article you happened to go by and read. I know. Well, and, and I was curious. I got curious about it. And so I uh, went to the school in Wisconsin, and we, and we hired them to help build the system uh, in, in, in the warehouse in Mississauga. And we dedicated a portion of the warehouse and the farms there. And people go by on tours all the time to see it. Wow. That's the power of curiosity and leadership and personally and also having that, you know, openness to opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and it was so much fun. It was, it was, it was just a win, win, win all the way around. It was, it was great fun. Oh, very cool. That's a great story. I love it. Okay. So personally, your own growth mindset, um, what kind of personal habits do you have that helps you to maintain that growth mindset? You mean growth of uh, character, growth of career? Or what? Growth in general, like just have that, that general propensity to move forward with a positive mindset and openness to growing, seeing opportunity, creating yeah. impact. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Trisha, you know, in, in food banking, it can be hard sometimes because the need, the need is so large. Uh, sometimes I, I'm going to use the word it's overwhelming. Uh, and I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about frontline workers as well. who we just see the lines get longer and longer, especially for this pandemic. I think one of the biggest challenges for anyone working in this sector is not to get jaded, not to give up, not to get exhausted, not in, you know, or, you know, burnt out, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, I, again, my hats off to the to the food bankers in this country, especially the frontline workers and the volunteers. And they deal with clients and their situations day in and day out. And so, in terms of my own growth, I've been blessed with an incredible team at Food Bank's Canada. You know, I've uh, inherited a great team. I've added to that great team. They're all dedicated. They're fun to work with. So I, I actually enjoy working with them. We're focused on the common goals uh, in terms of of our strategy and where we're heading, and we see that we see the need, and we see the need is just it's just so huge that you know we just I think that's what keeps us going is you know we we have this desire we have this passion if you will that we can we can turn this issue around we can solve this hunger issue in Canada we can reduce the need for food banks in Canada, uh, and so that's I think that's what drives me what does drive me and it drives the people I work with. You know, not just the day in and day out, you know, feeding people, as I said earlier, but the long-term gains what drive us is we can make a difference 
in people's lives, first of all. And second of all, we can make a difference in society in terms of putting in changes so people don't have to use a food bank. They have enough income to go to a grocery store and buy the food they need to feed themselves and their children. So that's what drives me. That's what keeps me growing, keeps me going if you will, every day. It's a big, it's, it's in my, you know, from my perspective, because I'm not fully aware of all the, all the realities, is it seems like such a big goal. It, what are the biggest um, moves that need to be made to alleviate hunger in Canada? Well, the biggest, so this is it. The biggest, I mean, it's going to start with the government. It's got to, you know, it's government, it's social policy. So it's either mm-hmm. federal or provincial policy, depending if you're talking about minimum wage or rent control versus, you know, if, you know uh, employment benefits or you know, even during the CERB, during the pandemic. So it's really government, uh, you know, having the will and the attitude to want to make a dent, want to make a change. And the government, and we, the government has stepped up, especially during this pandemic. So you know, want to be very careful here. There've been some great, great support by provincial and the federal government and the prime minister during this pandemic, but that will get us through the pandemic, but we're still back to where we were. I mean, you know, people, you know, there's, you know, minimum wages are too low, for example, uh, daycare is too expensive. Uh, you know, uh, people have only access to part-time work or seasonal work. They don't have access to benefits or a drug program. Housing costs are too high. And all these things come together into what I call a perfect storm. And people just end up don't have, they don't have the income they need currently to be able to afford food. And food, you know, foods is something they can flex. They, they pay the rent first. So that always gets paid first. And then whatever gets left over, you know, they try to put food on the table. So it does come down to, again, as I said earlier, it's an economic issue, but it's going to require intervention by uh, by government, uh, federal, provincial government, uh, to go forward from here, to really put a dent in this. It's so empowering to know that Food Banks Canada is an expert in this field and your mission is so clear and that as companies and organizations, leaders, as people, individuals, fellow Canadians, you know, moms, parents – we can help support your mission by doing connecting with our local food banks by you know donating donating one can whatever it is is yeah. we we can have an impact on your mission by simply doing the small steps and if we all collectively do that it does make such a difference you're right during this pandemic i mean i'm going to make a call out you know even as an individual i mean the number of individual canadians that donated during this pandemic you multiply that by a large number it's been very impactful that's important to know yeah i love that it is so true. Sometimes we get over, overwhelmed by the the problem and we feel like, we, what can we do? What can I do? Well, there's things we can do, the small exactly. steps. Exactly. A couple, couple little questions for you that I think are fun. And it just, it's, <laughs> I, I always find my favorite book this way. What is a favorite book of yours or something you're currently reading that you think that other people should really kind of dig into as well? Uh, let's see. I mean, I've been reading a lot of the books about what's going on down in the South and the U.S. and some of the, some of the uh, Washington, D.C. type books. Uh, mm. I've been, been reading those, get, get, get up to speed. That's what I've been reading recently. There's one book after the other that comes out about, about right. when things going on down in Washington. It's, it's hard to turn your attention away from it. So, Isn't that true, right? Read, okay, so how about this one? I, I read one on Winston Churchill. The other book I read recently is one on Winston Churchill, which is fascinating about, and I, I, about his family, his wife, his kids, about him as a person. And his value, mm-hmm. I just thought it was great because I didn't know a lot about Winston Churchill, especially during the uh, during the bombings of London. I find the personal bios just so yeah. incredibly fascinating. So do I. Sure. Yeah. Okay, my, my last question for you is uh, also like because of the personal side. Um, what is the best wisdom that you have ever received? Wow. Uh, best wisdom I've ever received. That's a tough one. 
I would say, as I said earlier, don't even now. Yes, it'd be about twenty years ago. Don't take mm-hmm. yourself so seriously. You know, be humble. You know, be humble. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in your when you're in a leadership role or you're a CEO role. You know, it, you got to sometimes check yourself and say, yeah, okay, be humble, be grounded. You know, be grounded, be humble." I like that. I think we do need to remember that sometimes we can get kind of overtaken by responsibility or leadership. And uh, yeah, exactly. Sometimes ego in there as well. And it can be all kinds of things, but having soul-centered leadership is so important. I, you exude that you really give that. I mean, I don't know you personally, we've just met on this call, but I just thank you for contributing your leadership in such a, a whole way that you're taking care of your people. And of course you're making such impact as a leader, but also as an organization in Canada. So from as a fellow Canadian, thank you for all you all you and your team do and all the frontline workers. And, and thank you for taking thank the time you. to be on Passion for Impact. This has been a really inspiring conversation. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to get to know you as well, Trisha. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. We can say that, right? That's right. We had snow today, so happy holidays. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. Such an inspiring conversation. Listen, if you love learning how to live and lead in a conscious and fulfilling way, and you find this show empowering, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, cast your vote, make your impact, one socially conscious choice at a time. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.